0: Welcome to the Crowdmakers, inside the C-suite of sports and entertainment, the definitive podcast on the inner workings of the business side of professional sports, concerts, and live events. These are the people that are shaping the new landscape of the industry, the executives that are creating the new paradigm for live entertainment. These are the inside conversations you won't hear anywhere else. These are the Crowdmakers. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the digital training network that uses micro-learning and spaced repetition to form new habits of success in sales, service, leadership and more. Created by sports and entertainment industry experts for the industry. Learn more at isbi360.com. And now, here's your host for the Crowdmakers, Bill Gertine. Welcome once again to the Crowdmakers gang. We're here with Jacob Gallagher this time. He's the chief revenue officer of the Charlotte Hornets of the NBA. Jacob, we're grateful to have you here on the program today.
1: Thanks, Bill. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited.
0: We talked a little beforehand about how nothing has been normal in 2020. What has been different for you? How have you been spending some of the time that you had at home? Did you have a book on the nightstand, more time with the kids? What was going on?
1: Yeah, I think probably a little bit of all of it, right? Like, I think, you know, as far as a book, a book that I just finished up reading was uh, The Dichotomy of, of Leadership by uh, Jocko uh, Willink and uh, Leif Babin. It's it's a follow-up to a book that I was reading, Extreme Ownership. Um, like I, I love all types of, of leadership books, but uh, I really enjoy reading military books and these are, are two Navy SEALs and um, they talk about leadership within you know their time of, of serving in the, in the Navy and then how you can relate that back to the business uh, world in, in real time. So I uh, love all type of, of leadership books, but you know I am drawn towards some of those and definitely it's a, one that I would recommend. Um, you know, as far as a, a routine, I really have loved getting up early. Um, I get up early in the morning. I get a good workout in. Um, I get some meditation in, you know, trying to keep my, my body and mind right. And uh, then I just read a little bit, whether it's local or, or national news, catch up what's going on in the market, business, and, and in sports, you know. I think it's one of the things that that this has provided, though, is it's really – Given me a sense of being grateful of the time that, that I've had with my family as well. You know, I have three small kids and the extra time that I get to spend with them at lunch or in between calls um, and really even the commute time. You think about all the time that you're not even working, but the in-between time now that you get to spend with your family are, are things that I look at and I'm like, wow, you know, and it's, it's really been a blessing and, and a privilege to, to have this opportunity to work from home uh, during this time and, and get that time with my family. It's, it's, it's been really great. And the first few
0: months that we were in the pandemic, you probably had time you would never have had before because that you would have been in the playoff push and the other times of the year that you would be playing, Right.
1: Yeah, no, I think everything got kind of uh, flipped upside down. We were definitely running, um, going for a playoff push. I I was excited about our team. We have a a very young team. Um, Our GM has done a phenomenal job with building the team. And our uh, our coach has been done a great job at developing them. So we were making a strong playoff push, and we were excited about where our team was going. We were gearing up for the end of the season and, and going hopefully into those playoffs. And then, yeah, got got the curveball. Um, so it, it created a a different you know work work environment for us to say. <laughs>
0: Well, there's been so many changes in the status of sales teams and how long people have held on to staff based on some of the factors that are, are controllable and others that are not. What is the status of your sales team right now and what immediate plans have you talked about going forward?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think it's great. We have a great owner and, and a great um, executive team, you know, that really support our our. Our team, our, our staff, and really one of the main things that we're trying to do is really get through this with the staff we have. We have amazing individuals that, that work hard every single day, and we have an extensive uh, interview process looking for those right individuals, the sales-minded people, and so we, we want to hang on to them. So as of right now, you know, we our staff is, is full, intact. We, we haven't... Um, you know, had to take any tough decisions that some of these other teams have done. Um, you know, we've we've worked with them to help them out and with some um advancements on, on commissions to help put them in a in a good place. Uh, you know, and I, I commend our owner. He really looks at it. Uh and everybody's different, you know, so so everybody takes different approaches, have different reasons, but so I can only speak to ours and, and our owner really um has invested in our, in our people and and as of right now that's the goal to continue this and we hope that we get out of this with uh, our staff intact and we continue to move forward and drive the business forward so
0: everyone has stayed you've got a full staff and you've continued to hang on to them
1: yeah no it's it's been great and you know i know it's tough right now because yeah, you know, salespeople live and die by commissions and, and this is what it's been around. And that's how they, you know, how they live. And it's, it's you know, we're having to have some tough conversations. We're having to be flexible. Um, and I think they, they've risen to the occasion to, to really that challenge. And, you know, like I said, we have great people that work with, that I get a chance to work with every day. So, um, we're, we're hoping and, and that we can continue this and get through this unscathed and, you know, get back to the 2021 season and, and selling full boat. Are you selling now? And if so, what are you selling? Yeah, no, that's a good question. We, we definitely are selling now. Um, we, we have full seasons out. We also have uh, our partial plans out. We take a very strategic approach approach about how we um, release our, our plans. Um, we have been selling across the board. It hasn't been at the volume that we're used to selling, um, but we have been selling. I think the main and right what we're doing is just making sure that we keep the conversation going and, and having good quality conversations with our fans and, and potential members. Um, you know, I think it's important to understand what people are going through right now, and really get them comfortable that you know when they're ready and and they feel comfortable, we're here to provide them uh, NBA basketball and an entertainment and and uh, a value uh, for for coming back to our game and. You know, I think that's went a long way with our with within the community. Like I said, we've had some success, um, and we have people that are in a wait and see um, situation, and we're okay with that. We understand that, and and I think as long as we continue to show empathy to our to our fans right now, and and they understand that, and I think it's going to work out better. It's going to work out for everyone in at the end. Yeah.
0: You mentioned the book Extreme Leadership here at the beginning. Uh, You served in the Navy for a time. You were an aviation support equipment tech. Uh, How many lessons did you take away during your time in the military that you've carried forward perhaps now in this pandemic time or perhaps in your leadership style?
1: Yeah, no, I think, you know, my time in the military shaped really who I am today and, um, and how I approach every day, I think it's given me a structure um, to to really adapt to any situation and and move it forward. You know, I think one thing that the military really instills in people, and, and definitely in me, was you know your characteristics and your core values. And I think you know for the Navy, it's it's honor, courage, and, and commitment. To that in, and the way I approach every day by trying to keep those core values in mind. And for me, it's honor. It's, it's integrity. It's, it's how you're, you're going about your day and how you're moving forward and how you're leading and, and doing things the right way all the time. And not just when everyone's watching, but doing it the right way all the time, even when people aren't watching, because most of the time, that's the most important time that, that you can have integrity. Um, I think you know courage is obviously a big one, and you know doing uh, doing what you know is right and doing it um, no matter what the the crowd or, or people might say, standing up for what you, you what you believe in and what's you know the right thing to do and then commitment obviously is is the third one, and that's committing to to strive for excellence and you know, working hard every day and and bringing the right attitude and and having a passion for it and uh, be open to learning. Um, Every day is going to be something new. And, you know, I I really take those core values into everything I do and and how I approach it. And, uh, you know, I think it's important Um, and one of the things I learned there is, is doing things the right way. And all the time, you know, individuals in the military depend on you to do your job at a high level. And if you don't, there can be serious consequences. So I think it's just doing your part and part of the team to, to drive it forward.
0: You bet. Well, after your stint in the military, you started in Charlotte in 2006. You were an account executive in season tickets, as many of our executives start out in. At that time, the franchise was just a couple years old. It was known as the Charlotte Bobcats, for those who remember that. The original Hornets franchise had moved out of Charlotte, moved to New Orleans several years before. So the city had been without an NBA team for a while. Take us back for a moment to when you first started there and what it was like at that franchise in those early years of the Bobcats.
1: Yeah, it was an interesting time. You know, I came in in 2006, and the team was um, just about a year old. The, the Bobcats were, and um, you know, one thing I can say is the Hornets were a, a loved franchise in this in this community, in this city, and and, and in the state. It was um, so it wasn't a secret that they were upset that the Hornets were no longer here. But I, I will say that this is this. City's community has a passion for basketball. I mean, it's it's like no other. I'm I'm originally from Tennessee. I didn't realize um, the impact of, of how you know Tennessee's more of a football state. So I, I guess I can relate it there. But coming down here, like seeing how people loved basketball in the NBA. Um, you know, it was, people were excited about that. They were, they were excited to have an NBA team in, in the city again. They were excited to go to the games. They were excited, um, to be a part of the league again. And, um, but they were definitely, you know, missing their Hornets. And so I think it made sense when we had that opportunity to, to try to bring that franchise back. You know, our ownership did another great thing in really pursuing that to bring that name back to the city of Charlotte.
0: Well, let's talk about that for a minute because that was in 2014. You brought the Hornets name back. It really seemed to re-energize the whole organization. What was the thought process at the time? and And was there anything else behind the organization making that change?
1: Yeah, I think the name change was a great process to be a part of. I mean, the financial commitment... Um, the ownership had to invest in to do that it wasn't a small one. So I think you know we had to really do the research and, and provide the data to support that the name change um, was one that was going to make sense for us. And I think actually going through everything, we we realized that it was a no brainer. And you know from again the financial commitment, the ownership. Said, yeah, let's do it, and and it was great to see you know him really make that change and invest into bringing that name back. I I mentioned I came down, I wasn't around Charlotte I didn't understand what the what the name meant to the city, and I remember thinking to myself, I was like, you know, we have to win. That's that's the important thing. We have to to bring a winning franchise here, and you do, but uh, what that name change did, it really did what you said. It, it really sparked a fire in the community and everybody was so excited that it really knocked me back on my heels to understand of how much of an impact that had on the city. I mean, the, 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 just the process alone of, of applying to bring the name change back, we saw a huge uptick in ticket sales. Uh, people were excited to see the Hornets thing back in Charlotte where it originally was. And they, you know, it it really brought a lot of people back. I had a lot of conversations with season ticket holders that were buying um, that were that their parents were season ticket holders and they were coming back and showing pictures of, you know, them going to games with their parents. And so there was this, this history there that like I, I guess I took for granted and didn't really understand so to see that happen in real time was, was just a, a great experience. I think the organization did a great job on really maximizing the opportunities with it. You know, you, you know, this better than anyone in, in sports, there's peaks and valleys, there's sales cycles that you go through mm-hmm. where there's high times in our business to where it's relevant. And you're just going to see natural uh, influx of, of ticket sales and, and partnerships So what we were able to do is, is during those times and those peak times are, you know, your lottery, your draft, your playoffs, big moments where the sport is really relevant in, in that, in the media and out there. What we were able to do is in between those times, we were very strategic on how we rolled out this launch in stages. And we would go out with, Hey, we're applying for the name change. Hey, we got approved for the name change. Now, let's look at the logo, then let's roll out the uniforms, then let's roll out the court. And we were able to do those in between those high peak selling times to really create a constant year of high peak times to where we were able to maximize our sales throughout that whole year, 365 days, um, which really put us in a good position from a business side.
0: We'll be back for the second half right after this. Hi, this is Bill Gertine. I've been training the ticket sales departments of sports and entertainment for almost 20 years, and I love what I do. But everywhere I went, the story was always the same. We loved what you did. You got us fired up. But after a while, we kind of lost the spark and we went back to the same old, same old. Well, not anymore. ISBI 360 is the first and only digital training network created exclusively for the specific long-term career needs of sports and entertainment professionals. Our seven different unique certification programs include the fundamentals of success in the industry like ticket sales, sponsorships, social media, customer service, and leadership, all trained by industry experts like Brett Zelaski, Debbie Nolan, Misha Scher, and Seth Rabinowitz. ISBI 360 uses a unique four-stage learning process, including cutting-edge micro-learning videos, live recorded role plays, live coaching from industry experts, and an ongoing reinforcement program to make sure the learning sticks and forms the habits that your people need to grow and excel faster. Check out the two-minute demo at isbi360.com demo. That's isbi360.com demo building a better team starts with better training. Check out what's different about ISBI 360 today. You know, you talk about team story and trajectory and those things that emotionally connect an organization to its fans and you illustrated that really well with the rebrand and everything you had going on. Were there any lessons you took away from that rebrand that you've been able to use as you come out of this pandemic?
1: Yeah, I think the the main thing is, is preparation, I think. no, So no one kind of could prepare for, for this, I would say. Everybody is kind of going through this together new. But I would say the preparation and the strategy and really the communication and collaboration that we learned how to do things very intentionally back then really put us in a position and, and not just now, we, we adopted a lot of those practices to carry on from between the name uh, rebrand till, till now, but really put us in a, in a position from an organizational standpoint to be very structured, very intentional and, and very deliberate on the way that we move the business forward. And so when this naturally, when this came out, we were already in a very good position to um, adapt to anything that was coming our way, to slow down and, and really take a look at the big picture and not make rush judgments and, and to stop and understand what we were doing and the effects of the decisions that we were about to make and how they could affect, you know, our business and, and our brands and how, how long it could affect it out. So I think being very deliberate uh, on on our decision-making and uh, communication and collaboration uh, really gave us uh, a roadmap to be successful during the time that we're in now.
0: Well, most everyone in sports knows who your owner is. And in, in 2010, uh, you were there when Michael Jordan bought the team. How starstruck was everyone when he first became involved? Kind of take us what it was like to have him in the building on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is definitely great. I mean, he is um, a very uh, competitive person, you know, and, and has that mentality, a winning mentality. And, you know, he had it all throughout his playing career, and really brings that to the business side. You know, he sets the tone from from the top down. You know, he he has a passion and he wants to win, and he gives his team the the tools to do that and be successful with that. So it's it's definitely you get that starstruck moment of of you know I'm, I'm, I get the opportunity to work for for Michael. Um, but when it comes down to it, like he is a very compassionate person. He cares about his people. He cares about his team. Um, he wants people to be successful and he puts them in positions to be successful. And I think no matter if it's, you know, Michael Jordan or or anyone being able to work for someone that has that mentality just gives you a, a comfort to come to work every day, knowing that, you're going to be put in a position to be successful and you're going to have the resources in to be successful. And um, it's, it really resonates from the top down that it's, it's really a great place to, to be a, to work. And, and it's a great team to be a part of.
0: My guess is that everybody in the building that was there at that time has the story of their first meeting with MJ. Tell us about yours. What was the first meeting you had and, and what was the context?
1: Yeah, no, it was, it was really just an introductory meeting. Um, We actually didn't know, you know, I was a young manager at the time, first manager job. Um, And uh, our, my, my boss, my VP gathered our whole ticket management team together and said, Hey, we got a meeting downstairs and we walked into the meeting and he was there. And, you know, again, it was, it was, Taken back, it was, it was a little starstruck being, you know who who he is. But he was very uh, comforting and and letting you know that he was there to support us and give us the resources and the tools to to be successful in the ticketing world. And asked what we could do, and gave some great insight. And you know he's he's a he's a smart businessman. He, he's a great basketball player, but he's very smart as well. So. Um, you know, we relied on him, asked him a ton of questions, and it was it was definitely a, a moment that I'll I'll remember for a long time.
0: What is his day to day involvement in the sales department, if any at all?
1: Yeah, I think you know he's definitely involved. He's got great people that that I work with more closely on a day to day basis. He he really does a great job on surrounding himself with great individuals. Um, and, and he's done that as, you know, as, as long as I can remember. So I, you know, I work more with them on a day to day basis. He is involved though, and and does have a say and, and, um, but it, 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 he trusts his people. He really does. He hires people that he knows is competent and they can do the job and he trusts those individuals to, to make the decisions for the organization. So it's, it's really another thing. It's, it's great to work for an individual that, that does that and they really trust in their people.
0: Yeah. The last dance was shown here during the pandemic and became – Kind of the only thing to watch for a while in terms of sports and and really became far more popular because of that. Had anything gone on within the Hornets organization or with Charlotte during this rise in popularity, essentially, of Michael Jordan? Have we done anything different? Uh, has anything changed or was, was there anything that you perhaps have noticed within the franchise or even within, uh, you know, the leadership yourself, within uh, having more of a knowledge of the man behind the icon and the myth?
1: No, you know, that's a good question. I don't think so because I think he, obviously you saw the competitive nature in in him in there. And I think my favorite part in that whole documentary was uh or series was at the end of episode seven and and he said uh, he wanted to win but he wanted his team uh to be a part of that as well you know that's how he played the game that was his mentality if you don't want to play the game that way well then don't play so he was very competitive and 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 ex expected you know everyone to come in and give their all every single day and that was from day one so that kind of sentiment has been you know echoed throughout the organization from top down since he became part of the organization so i don't think any of that within internally shed any new light on anything because we knew that that was how it was since he came on board, and that was the expectation. Um, I think it was great to see for for other people that haven't been exposed to that to see his mentality and, and really hear it from him. Um, you know, we feel fortunate that we've gotten to experience that type of Um, leadership now for, for a while, for several years. So I don't think anything has changed there just because that was that, that, like I said, that tone was set from day one. Cool. Well, there's a lot going
0: on in sports now, a lot of talk about what's going to happen now past this point. The NBA has been very, very successful in the bubble and has really uh, been able to, perhaps more than any other league, really transcend that and play the sport as it was meant to be played uh, and done it in a very unique way. What are the other trends or the storylines in sports or entertainment that you're watching closely right now yourself?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, obviously there is the obvious one that's around social injustice right now that's happening in our country today. And, And it's great to see our players and the league using the platform to help um, change and and educate out there. So I I think that's obviously one that is, is at the forefront of everybody, you know, making sure people understand what it means to get out and vote and and really um, be a part of of change and not just saying that you are, but actually being part of the action to to do it. Um, But outside of that, I think that someone is every, that's something everybody is looking at closely right now is how we engage with our fans and, and drive value with our partners in new ways. I think there's always going to be a desire to uh, see live events. You know, people want to be there in person to see that game winning shot or that amazing concert performance. I don't think the entertainment business as we know it is going to completely change and, and do a 180, But I do think that we're getting a peek into really understanding who our fans are and how they consume content and finding new ways to deliver that to them. So I think there's a lot of different things that people are doing out there, but I think that's the main thing that I've been really focused on. And, you know, it's, it's no secret. I think the success to sports has always evolved around your fans Um, and and I don't think that's going to change moving forward. It's just figuring out how do we engage with them even past this and, and adding them additional opportunities to engage with our brand. Sure.
0: So on that note, what do you think this unique situation has given sports a chance to do or maybe to be that may never come again? Is there this window of opportunity that you see to change or improve something right now?
1: Yeah, I think you know, in, innovate obviously is big. You know, we work for one of the best leagues I think in the world, and have been part, you know, a forefront on on the innovation platform for a while now. But I think this is really challenging us to look at sports through a different, a different lens. I mean, literally. Um, so I think it's understanding what what fans want. Uh, how they're going inter- to engage, how they're going to interact with you. Um, like I said, I don't think people are going to stop coming to events, but is there a second screen option that people are going to start using? You know, are people going to, uh, are our broadcast going to change the way and, and make the, you know, the viewing ship more interactive? Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of interesting things that, that brands and leagues are doing with partners right now with um, digital signage. So I think I, there's not one thing that I think that I could put my finger on of, of saying, hey, this is, you know, the one thing that's going to come out of this. I think there's going to be a, a multiple things that are going to change the, the way we, we view and engage with our, our favorite teams. Very good.
0: Well, as we wrap up here, Jake, I want to be able to go ahead and, and give you some rapid fire questions here, Jacob. The Just whatever first comes to mind, okay? Just going to wrap them off one at a time. Just let me know. Favorite binge watch during the pandemic?
1: Oh, wow. No, that's a great one. Um, you know, I did watch The Blacklist. That was a long one, too, because it's a lot of episodes, but it was, it was definitely one that I got behind and, and, and binge, binge watched. And, and you know what? I'll put a second one on there. Mad Men. That was a phenomenal show. Probably, probably even better than Blacklist. Like that was one that I first watched. So I, I would say Mad Men. Good.
0: Uh, vacation spot you'd like to go to first that you haven't been to since the pandemic?
1: I want to take my kids to Disney World. And they, they love it.
0: That's cool. The car you would drive, if you could drive anything, money is no object.
1: Oh wow! I you know um, a you know what a nineteen seventy seven Bronco that is my favorite car of all time. I know isn't it's that, crazy, isn't that is not that the OJ car? No, I don't think so. But that's like that, that's ever since I was a kid, I've wanted that Bronco. So that's it's cool. not practical for me right now, but like one day. <laughs>
0: That's the most unique answer I've had to that. That's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Um, the phrase that you're most known for in the office? You good. You good. <laughs> okay. The restaurant you're going to go to and sit down in once you can first in Charlotte?
1: Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the Palm. It's a local steakhouse here. I love steak. my steak and, and uh, that's definitely what I'm looking forward to.
0: Great. Biggest hurdle you'll have to overcome in the next six months professionally?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, finding a balance. I think, you know, with uh, continuing to find that balance is uh, not just work and, and personal life balance, but I think what this has done and what we'll continue to do is we have a lot of unknown questions. And to figure out, like, how do you, you know, work on something without going too far down a rabbit hole? because it can be easily done right now, but making sure that you're still driving the business forward. So definitely finding that balance.
0: Very good. Last one, one bold prediction you would have for sports and entertainment going forward.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I I might've said it a little bit before, but I think it's around content. I think content creation, you know, I think it's interesting. You mentioned the last dance ever since that's came out. A lot of people are, you know, I, I think you see that there was a need for that. So I think, Letting people see, uh, get a little peek underneath the hood of what goes on behind the scenes is is something that's going to be big out there that a lot of people are going to to want to have. And I think it's a sellable uh, piece of content that you can have. And I think content consumption. I think you're going to see people being able to engage and interact with their content differently with Um, you know, sports betting is a big thing. I think just the technology and the data around players and performance, I think you're going to see a big shift in um, more interactive content. Yeah. Great stuff. Can't thank you enough for the time you
0: spent with us. Jacob Gallagher is chief revenue officer of the Charlotte Hornets of the NBA. Jacob, thank you so much for taking time here on the crowdmakers.
1: No problem. Thank you very much, Bill. It's been a pleasure.
0: If you enjoyed the program, please like us, share us with those you know, and hit subscribe on the podcast, and we'll let you know when another new episode is dropped. Your positive comments will help keep the Crowdmakers on the air. We'd be grateful for your five-star review. Got someone you'd like to hear as a guest on the Crowdmakers? Let us know, and we'll do our best to reach out to them. Drop us a note at info at isbi360.com. That's info at isbi360.com. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the first and only digital training network for sports and entertainment professionals. Check out the two-minute demo at isbi360.com slash demo. That's isbi360.com slash demo. Building a better team starts with better training. Our chief engineer of the Crowdmakers is Ken Marinelli. Sean Quinn is our director of operations. Mark Yazowitz is the digital platform guru. And the executive producer of The Crowdmakers is Doug Quinn. I'm Bill Groutin. Until next time, thanks for listening, and so long for now. This is The Crowdmakers on the C-Suite Radio Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network.
1: For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.